Will you open your Bible with me? After you're done texting, you can pull it up on there. We also have some Bibles in the back if you need one. To 1 Kings chapter 17. Excuse me, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. What is the Lord doing in the world? What is the Lord doing in the world? You know, I'll tell you one thing about our God. He is relentless. He is not swayed by politics. He is not swayed by power outages. He's not swayed by winter storms. He's not swayed by anything. He rules over all things. He's the king forever. As we come here in 1 Kings, we're going to be looking at chapter 19, and this is the story of the prophet Elijah. <clears throat> Elijah is speaking to the nation of Israel, and this time Judah and Israel have already split. And so the people of God have split into two parts, basically. And so Elijah is a prophet. That means, literally means a mouthpiece, but he's speaking for God. Now that's a big job, isn't it? If you speak on behalf of God. There's really one major qualification. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. If you're going to speak for God, you better get it right. Say what God says. Don't say other things. And what's happened in this time period is that the king of Israel has led the people astray into idolatry, and they're worshiping a pagan god that's popular in the area, uh, which is called Baal. And so they've set up these temples to Baal, and they have all these priests to Baal, and Baal, Baal has his own prophets and all this kind of stuff. Now, Baal is an idol. He's not alive. He's not real. And yet the people are worshiping him. They've also put up these high places, like on mountaintops and, and hilltops, they've put up these special poles that they think are going to touch the spiritual realm and help them worship better, uh, which is all idol worship. And so the Lord had told us, do you remember in the Ten Commandments? No other gods before me was number two. Don't make idols. And so the people have not just given themselves into this, they've dove in head first into idol worship. So much so that they've even rounded up some of the priests and they've rounded up some of the prophets of God and have killed them. And so this is um, bad. Things are going bad. In fact, it says about this king, his name is Ahab. It says that he has done more wickedness than the kings who, all the kings that lived before him. He's plunging Israel into more and more wickedness going against the Lord. So this is not a good time period. Um, it's not a great place to be. In fact, if you're standing up for God, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous time and a dangerous place to stand for the Lord. And so what's happened is God has told this prophet, his name is Elijah again, that he should go and tell all the people there's, that it's not going to rain anymore. Why is the Lord withholding the rain? Kind of, yeah. He's disciplining them because one of the benefits of being his people is he protects them and gives them all this stuff. And they're looking to these false gods that they think are going to control the weather and the crops and fertility and all this stuff for them. And the Lord is saying, okay, you can try that. I'm just not going to let it rain for a while. And so Elijah goes to the king Ahab and he says, it's not going to rain until I pray and then it will rain. And Ahab does not like that. So Elijah goes away. He lives by this brook. Uh, miraculously, God feeds Elijah with these ravens that bring him food. That'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? And so he's there for a long time. He's there for so long that the brook that he's by dries up because there's been no rain. And so all the water is gone. Once all the water is gone, the Lord tells him, go and talk again to Ahab. So he goes to see King Ahab, and uh, when he meets him, he tells King Ahab, hey, let's have a showdown. You get your prophets of Baal. There's like 400 of them, main ones. You get them over here, get a sacrifice ready, 
and then you call on Baal, and if he does something with the sacrifice, we'll know he's God. In the meantime, since I'm the only one left, I'll come and stand for the Lord, and I'm going to get my offering ready for him, my sacrifice of an animal, and we're going to put it here, and then I'll call on the Lord, and we'll see who, we'll see who listens. So the showdown happens. Now, this showdown is dramatic. It's dramatic for a lot of reasons. It's dramatic because, first of all, it's a showdown, right? This is like, it's like almost two cowboys getting ready to draw on each other. It's that feel. But also, what will happen if Elijah loses? He's done. What happens if the Baal guys cheat? He's done, right? I mean, his life's on the line for this. So they prepare the sacrifices. In this famous story, you can read it yourself, and it's worth your time. They prepare the sacrifices. The Baal worshipers do all their stuff. They hit themselves. They beat themselves. They strip off their clothes. They're bleeding. They're trying to do all this stuff to make Baal listen to do something with the sacrifice. Nothing happens. And so Elijah basically sits in a lawn chair and watches them. He watches them all day. And all day, I mean, they're bleeding. They're doing all kind of crazy stuff. And Elijah's like, maybe he's in the toilet. <laughs> Yell louder. That's basically from the lawn chair. He's just yelling at them. And so this goes on all day. Nothing happens. Then Elijah comes over, makes a sacrifice for the Lord, cuts, you know, cuts the animal. So an animal dies. That's gross. Puts it on this pile of wood. Resurrects the altar of God that used to be there that was torn down by all the idol worshipers. Digs a trench around it. And he commands the helpers to dump water on it. And they dump a lot of water on it. Now, also, we just said before, Elijah told the king, it's not going to rain until I pray. So for a long time, there's been no rain. There's been no rain so long that the brooks and the streams have dried up. And this most precious, you know, wars are fought over water rights in this part of the world. It's, I mean, water is life. And here's Elijah pouring water onto the sacrifice. So much so that the little moat that he dug around it is completely filled with water. Have you ever been camping and tried to light a fire? Just lighting a fire, period, when you're camping is challenging for some people. That's OK. Uh, but if you have to light a fire when it's wet out, have you ever done that before? It's difficult. It's difficult to do. And so you got to really work on it. So now Elijah has with his life on the line, shot himself on the foot. That he's supposed to light this thing on fire somehow? And what does Elijah do? Do you know the story? So Lord, show everyone that you are God. And fire comes down from heaven in a pillar and consumes, ready? The water, the sacrifice, the wood, melts the rocks. And all the people go, God is God. God is God, guys. God is God. God is God. And then, now remember, this is Israel, right? Uh, Jesus is not coming. He's not been on the cross yet, all these kind of things. So in Israel, this is, this is God's people. And a lot of these prophets of Baal have led the people astray. And so what does Elijah do? He says, come with me. We're going to fight those guys. And they kill them all. Because we are for the Lord. There's no, the mercy is over. The Lord has proven himself. Now, if you were Elijah, you're the only one left. Your life is on the line. You've gambled it all because God said to do it. And that's the thing. God said, do this. So I'm telling you that because if you go home and you set up your barbecue pit and you're like, Lord, bring it. The Lord said to Elijah to do that. He's not going to bring fire for your barbecue pit. 
First of all, the sacrifice is already done. So if you try to do another sacrifice, he's not going to like that. Secondly, he doesn't do that. So the Lord told Elijah, do this. And she proved himself. It's amazing. His life's on the line. I mean, how would you feel if you're Elijah? What do you think? Scared. A little scared. Also pretty awesome. This is like Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star. I mean, this is, this is like I, the soundtrack of this movie would be awesome right now. I mean, Elijah's like, and the people are like, we got to worship God again. I mean, this is, everything is happening that you hope will happen. And then things go wrong. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Ahab, the king of Israel, has married a foreign woman who is basically a witch. Her name is Jezebel. So we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19. Here's what it says. Ahab, who's the king, told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets, those are the ones of Baal, with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, may my head get cut off if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. That's what she's saying. So she's swearing an oath. I am going to kill you. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. In other words, he fled the country. And he left his servant there who was with him. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked the Lord that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said to him, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. It's incredible, isn't it? What's, what's happened to Elijah? Have you ever been so sad that all you want to do is sleep? This guy, he's depressed. This guy has seen miracle after miracle after. I didn't even talk about what happened to the rain that starts to come, or how he runs faster than horses. He does all kinds of miracles. And despite seeing all those, despite seeing God's fire come from heaven and swallowing up this sacrifice, despite all those things, he asked God that he might die because he's no better than his father's. It's a rough time, isn't it? And so here he is. He eats this food. How many of us would love just to see an angel? Could you imagine sleeping at night and you're sleeping and you wake up and the angel's like, hey, I made you food. You need to eat so you have strength. And you're like, whoa, okay. And you eat the oh, like bread from this hot stone. It's delicious. I'm sure it tastes great. Angel made it, right? Better than Gordon Ramsay. Make the, eat this thing. It's delicious. Drink the water. Fantastic. Then the angel's like, hey, wake up. You slept again. Eat some more. You're going to journey for a while. Miraculously, 40 days, 40 nights. You're feeling great. But this is not how Elijah responds. How many of us would love to just see one miracle like this? If I could just see God do this, if I just saw, just, it doesn't have to be a big fire, maybe like a lightning bolt, just boop, little static electricity, lights that on fire, I'll be like, Lord, I know you're real. 
Lord, I'll know it's your word. I'll know that you've called me. I'll know that you have good things for me to do. I know that you've made me your ambassador if you would just bring down some fire. If you just show an angel to me, if you just give me some bread and some water, maybe if I lay this fleece out and it gets dew on it in a funny way, maybe if I uh, do something funny and, and you can show me, like there will be smoke or clouds or lightning or lasers or something, if I could just see that, I'll know that you're calling me. Well, Elijah saw all those things. And his prayer to the Lord is, Lord, just kill me now. Let's look at verse 9. Here's what it says. There, he's been walking 40 days, 40 nights on the mountain of the Lord. He comes to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Remember, he's fled the country. Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, this is the Lord saying, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be, son, to be king over Assyria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be the king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Molah, you shall appoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What is the Lord talking about here? This is, this is serious stuff, isn't it? What do you expect God to say? Isn't the, word, isn't the word of God great? Thank you, Lord, for your word. But what do you expect God to say? Well, Something different, right? Yes, yes. So what you expect, though, here, first of all, I expect Elijah to say something very different. He's, do you notice he repeats the same thing two times? What does he say? He says, I'm it. It's, it's failing. What he's saying is, Lord, your plan didn't work. The fire came, burnt, melted the stones. It was amazing. Killed all those bad guys. But it was supposed to fix everything. They're building the Death Star again. It's basically, right? It didn't work. I thought it was going to be great. But that witch, who's the queen, she's sending an army after me. I'm marked for death now. 
This was supposed to be the moment where in my ministry, everybody would say, you are from God. You were supposed to vindicate me because I'm the only one. You are supposed to vindicate yourself and turn the people back. So now I'm in this other country where maybe at least here they're going to follow you. Maybe at least here, since you didn't kill me back when that angel showed up. Just, I'm the only one. What am I supposed to do? That's what he's saying. So what does God do? God shows up with earthquakes and fire and rocks splitting. Could you imagine the scene? That's terrifying. How would you react to God? And you hear and see all these things, but you know his voice. And at the end of the day, it's not the display of power. It's his word. Because that's what God is saying. It's not the display. It's not the big sacrifice. It's not the fire. It's the word. You know my voice. And you know me. What are you doing here? What does Elijah say? Lord, it failed. Your word failed. Did you know that this is the only time that a prophet is commanded to appoint another prophet to be in their place. You know, at this point, because of his unbelief, would it be okay for God to be like, you're done? Yeah. Squish you. He could do that. He doesn't. He's merciful. He's kind. Here's a guy who's depressed. He's sad. He's at his wit's end. And he knows the voice of God, and yet he doesn't see the full plan. Sometimes that's a hard place to be in, isn't it? I know I've heard you, God, but it does not look the way I thought it would look. Did you know there's websites out there that you can go to that will talk about uh, whether or not you like or dislike former President Trump, um, how God's blessing has left the United States because he's not in office anymore? There's other websites you can go to that'll tell you that because President Biden, whether you like him or not, is in office, God's blessing is either on the United States or not on the United States. There are people this Sunday that are talking about how many gold medals we won as a country, and that reveals the blessing of God. And I'm here to tell you, it's the word. All that other stuff doesn't matter. And sometimes it seems the church, sometimes we have gotten so distracted by what we think success is going to look like. Lord, when will my ministry, when will my business, when will my family, when will my reputation, when will my Instagram look good enough? that I'll know I've really made it. And here's a guy who saw the miracles that we would hope to catch on camera, and yet he's depressed. And the Lord is so kind, he tells him, you're going to go appoint this other guy, Elisha, and he's going to do the work for me. And on your way, ready for this? God tells him, appoint a new king over Syria. So this guy is going to go from Judah all the way to Damascus and Syria, appoint a new king for the Lord. They don't care about God, and yet this is going to happen. Then he's going to go appoint a new king in Israel and this new prophet. God is over, you know, it's so funny because the rocks all, you know, and even Elijah's, Elijah's kind of depression right now, the Lord is telling him like, hey, world politics, by the way, just do these things, go. The Lord, the Lord is still on the throne. He's never changed. The same God who brought that fire from heaven is ruling and reigning over every nation on earth, not just Judah and not just Israel. 
He holds all the people in his hands. And he says, I have 7,000 in reserve. It's not you and you alone, Elijah. I have held 7,000 that'll be the remnant that I'm going to bring good things out of. And Elijah, can't, he can't even see that. He doesn't even know those things. So what is Elijah called to do? He's called to trust God. What are prophets supposed to do? They're supposed to say what God says to say. That's it. And so now the word in him, Elijah goes to do just that. Now what will happen eventually is Elijah will uh, go and appoint those people king. He'll go find Elisha, and, and Elisha is going to follow him. That's an amazing story. And eventually God is going to take Elijah up in a whirlwind. And chariots of fire will come from heaven and sweep that dude off the ground and take him up without tasting death. That's amazing. Ready for a semi-failed depressed prophet? How good, how good is our king? And Elisha will watch this, and God will give a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah onto Elisha. And Elisha, the first thing you do is going to part the Jordan and walk across dry land in the same spot that Joshua had walked across in dry land to come into the promised land. Incredible. If you know your Bible, it's incredible how God is just weaving together the story of his promises. And generations later, God is again, turn with me to John chapter 1. God is again going to send the same spirit. Now, it's not reincarnation or something like that. But the Bible tells us that God has a new prophet. In fact, the best prophet of the whole Old Testament. The best prophet of the full Old Covenant. That God is going to send, who's going to be his mouthpiece, who's going to speak for him. And his name is John the Baptist. And John is going to be basically conceived in a miracle in the sense of that his parents are both really old. And then they have this baby and they're alarmed and excited about it. An angel comes to his dad and says, you're going to name this baby John. And he's going to be one who's going to go before the Lord. And he's going to turn back the hearts of the people to their king. Which is what Elijah was trying to do, wasn't it? So he's going to remind them of the covenant. He's going to bring them back. It's going to be an amazing ministry unlike anything that's ever been seen before. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the cousins with the mother of John the Baptist. And she comes to visit him. And when she comes to visit him, Jesus inside her womb, just being close to John the Baptist, causes him as a fetus, as an infant inside the womb, to jump for joy. And his mother starts prophesying because this baby has already seen the Christ that will be the salvation for the world. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And this baby is born and ready for the disappointment you've all been waiting for. As a family member of John, he wears weird clothes. He eats bugs. I, like we tried to have him to the, to the Sabbath thing and he eats bugs. What's wrong with this guy? And then he's supposed to have this amazing ministry, and he doesn't set up in a city center. He goes out to the wilderness. He goes to that same weird spot in the Jordan where Joshua crossed and where Elijah was taken up. And he starts telling people this message. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all these people come out because they want to see this weird guy who's eating bugs. And they get in front of him, and they hear that song, that sound from God, and people's hearts are changed, and they come into the water and say, I want to be baptized. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. And he baptizes them, dunks them in the water that they would be clean from all their sin because something's about to happen. 
It's an awesome story, isn't it? But weird. It's weird. Shouldn't he be calling down fire? And He's supposed to be the greatest prophet ever. There's no fire, like earthquakes, something. Angels? Does he get a meal? No, doesn't. He eats bugs. John chapter 1, let's read here, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist is baptizing people with water, and he's telling his disciples that there's going to be one who's going to come after him, one of who is better than him, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie, he says, in chapter 1, verse 27. And then in verse 29, he says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness and said, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, he said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, and I bear witness, that this is the Son of God. What a testimony. Who's he talking about? It's Jesus. Why does he say over and over again, I myself did not know him? They're cousins. He's heard stories. How many times do you think he's heard that story of when Mary came to visit? And he was jumping around. Every time he's hearing the story over and over, oh, Jesus. That dude's perfect. Man, he's perfect. He does everything right. Everything. Never messes up. That guy. Because he is perfect. But now... Baptizing in that same place. The fullness of the revelation was probably revealed to John at that moment. It is. That's it. And so, really, he baptizes Jesus, Matthew tells us. And Jesus comes and says, Baptize me. And John says, How can I? You should baptize me. He says, No, we have to do this to fulfill all obedience. He baptizes Jesus, and a dove comes from heaven. The Holy Spirit rests on Jesus. And what does God say? He says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And John knows in that moment of the full revelation of what God is doing, that God is doing much more than just fire and sacrifices and getting rid of the idol worshipers and making one nation that will follow him. God has sent his son who will be the one to take away the sin of the world. In fact, John even says it. This, what does he say, is the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. Do you know what lambs did in this time? They're sacrifices. And the priest would take the lamb and put his hand on that lamb's head and he would say, Lord, all of the guilt that we have for sin, because your word says that if we sin, it, it is our life that we must pay. And so instead of our life, receive the life of this lamb, that as its blood is shed, you would have mercy on us, though we are due death. And they cut the throat of that lamb and its blood pours out. They skin it, they, they cut it up, they burn it up as a pleasing aroma to God. 
And all this time, for thousands of years, the Lord has smelled that smell of the roasting lamb and looked forward to his one lamb, Jesus Christ, who would take the sin of the whole world upon him because the lambs are bulls and goats. It's not enough to cleanse us. If a man sinned, a man has to die. But who could take the punishment of God for our sin, for our rebellion, for our disobedience? Who could possibly do it but God himself? And so the Lord himself became a man for us because when his blood is shed, it's worthy. Especially because Jesus Christ himself was without sin and innocent. He really was perfect. It wasn't just as at the gatherings as kids that John would complain about this Jesus who's always perfect. He followed God perfectly and had no sin in him. And when his blood was shed, it was enough to cleanse all of us from our unrighteousness. Jesus Christ died for us. He hung on the cross because he was the Lamb of God that took the guilt for us, the punishment for us. You know, we like to say, I'm saved. I know Jesus, I'm saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from the wrath of God. We're saved from the punishment. The great news, though, is that Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. The grave couldn't hold him. He's God who created all things. He comes back to life three days later. He resurrects. He's alive. And now we have an advocate. We have a king. We have a priest. We have one who is before us, Jesus Christ, who is the one who saves us. But he's alive. He actually says it. If he just died and his blood was shed, that's one thing. But you got to say, oh, the blood, I, I remember that. But instead, now we have a king who says, you belong to me. And scoops us up in himself that we are his. In fact, John even cried out, this is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Because God himself would pour out his spirit into us. That we would know him and commune with him and be close to him. And in all things, we would be united with Christ that we are his. And changed into new creations. Not sinners broken anymore. But now saints who sometimes sin and need repentance. But saints of God who are his, who belong to him and empowered by him and given his word that it would come out of us. Because God's word, even to Elijah, his promises were proven true in Christ himself. And Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 11 that if we can receive it, this John the Baptist who says this testimony about Jesus is Elijah. Come back. Not reincarnated. Not some kind of weird thing, but the same spirit, the same the same uh, office that was on Elijah to turn the people back to God is also on John, uh, crying out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But now that message, though, it's not just repent because God's here. It's not just repent because we're going to do the sacrifice and God will prove that he's, he's here. It's repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Lord is unfolding a new revelation of what it looks like to walk with him because there is a king on the throne, and his name is Jesus. The kingdom changes everything. The kingdom is the revelation that helps us. I think if, if Elijah could have seen the kingdom, if he could have really seen it, it would have changed his whole demeanor. You know, God in his mercy even brings Elijah back to meet with Jesus in the hill in transfiguration. Could you imagine that moment? How awesome is that? But how kind of God that he would bring it back. It's amazing. It's amazing. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
because we love Jesus, this message for us today is this. It's time for us to not live according to a live stream. It's time for us to embolden ourselves to see what God is doing in the world. The Lord is expanding his kingdom. As far as the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the whole earth. And he has empowered a people in his Holy Spirit that we would speak his word, we would know him, we would be his ambassadors, we would walk with him, we would hear from him, we'd minister his grace, his kindness, his peace. His gospel would be our weapon, the power of God on his unto salvation. It will change nations. It will change hearts. It will change families. It will do everything. And according to this great word, we can remember that God himself has called us to be his own. In the spirit of Elijah, in the same kind of way, we are not just calling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are proclaiming the excellencies of the kingdom now because Jesus is on the throne. And that's good news. What are we supposed to do with this? I have three things that I want you to, to uh, weave into your life as you think about Elijah and about John the Baptist, and we continue talking about this in the weeks to come. The first is, let's be quick to repent. Quick to repent. Did you know that uh, more and more and more, it seems that repentance or asking forgiveness is kind of bad words? And what I mean by that is this. There seems to be this pressure that you should try everything and live your truth. Have you heard that? Live your truth. Live your best life. Like that seems to be around a lot, doesn't it? Calling ourselves and other people to repentance is godly. And I'm saying it that way because it seems like more and more and more, the pull of our culture is just to let people do whatever they want to do. And you should do whatever you want to do and experience whatever you want out of life. And it's fine. And everybody just lives their own truth. And it's not true. It's not true. And we saw in this showdown that I talked about with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the Lord takes idolatry very seriously. Because he told us in his commandments, make no graven image. And yet people are, have this proclivity to worship things instead of the creator. We need to be a people who are quick in ourselves that we repent when there's sin because we know Jesus and we know his kingdom. But also a people who are not ashamed to tell people that the way to come into the kingdom is to repent. Did you know that you can't know Jesus if you don't know his forgiveness? You can't know Jesus if you don't know the gospel applied to our lives. You can't know Jesus if you don't know grace. You can't know Jesus if you don't receive what he's given us. People need to repent. We need to repent. The second thing we need to do is we need to get our message from God. What is our message from God? It's the gospel. A lot of people think that sometimes God's going to just give us uh, visions or words that are going to be good, and that he does it all the time, doesn't he? All the time. He uses dreams. He uses visions. He speaks to us. The Bible says that he gives us words of knowledge. The Holy Spirit talks to us a lot. You know, I remember one time, um, I, remember one time I was falling asleep, and um, I had this really weird dream thing, and I kind of woke up. You know, and um, I suddenly realized that this is the Lord. Have you ever had one of those moments? Maybe you haven't. If you have, praise the Lord. If you haven't, you will. So, um, and so I sat up and I said, Lord, I said, Lord, are you saying something to me? And he goes, uh, he basically said, yeah, if you want to just go back to sleep, that's fine. Since you won't listen to me during the day. 
quick to repent, quick to repent. You know, sometimes we can get so busy, we can get so built up in ourselves, we can tell God all our plans so much in prayer that we fail to pray and actually just seek God. If we're going to seek Him, we've got to seek Him. Let's get our word from God. How do we know what the word is? Because He gave it to us. And then when we dream dreams or have visions or whatever, we weigh them against the word of God, that we know what He said. What has God said to us? He said the gospel. He has told us the gospel, that the Lord himself came, died for us, rose again, and now we are his if we believe in him. The third thing that I want us to do is we need to get going. And here's what I mean by that. When Elijah was in this moment of depression, and listen, depression's real. If you're experiencing some depression, we will pray with you and stand with you. The Lord is good. So I'm not discounting those things. We go through times of mourning and bad things, don't we? That's real. And so we go through mourning as a body, we also go through rejoicing as a body, don't we? And all the in-between. But also Elijah here in the story, he sees the great things that God does, the amazing sacrifice, the amazing miracles, and his response is to sleep. His response is, Lord, just kill me. His response is, I'm the only one left. It's time for us to open our eyes and say, Lord, show me what you're doing. What are you doing in my office? What are you doing in my neighborhood? What are you doing in my family? Because I want to do it with you. What are you doing in my own heart, Lord? I'm going to open my heart to you. Forgive me, Father, for any areas that I haven't seen you. Lord, I don't want to stay sitting. I don't want to stay sleeping. I want to get moving. Because that's what God ultimately tells Elijah, isn't it? Get up and go do these things. And our message now that we have from the Lord is we need to get going. It will not help us to sit and think that Facebook is going to help people know about Jesus. It won't convince them. Did you know that God's answer for a world who does not know him and is dying to know him is you? His ambassadors, empowered by his spirit, to speak his word, to demonstrate his kingdom, to bring people to Jesus, to show them salvation, to live it out that your life is like a shining beacon, to love his people so that your love to one another would be a demonstration that God the Father has sent the Son. How incredible. How incredible. God's answer to all the things that we often pray for usually is, I have, I've sent you. I knew a guy one time, uh, way, back in, way back a long time ago, I was working for a guy, and um, he was having a bunch of problems with some maintenance stuff, and, and so he called me and said, I need, your, I need your help. I went to go work on some things, and it was all messed up. You know, have you ever gone into situations where it's just not good? And I said, man, this is a mess. I said, what... Uh, what are you going to do to fix it? And he says, I called you. <laughs> I said, what? what? I said, this is too big for me. He said, yeah, well, it's, too, it's big. But I, I thought, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And you're, you popped in my head, and I was like, you're the answer. And um, that put a lot of pressure on me, but we got the work done, and the Lord was good. You know, without pressure, I want to tell you this. The Lord's answer, it's you. He sends people. We ask him all the time, Lord, send a miracle. Lord, send an angel. Lord, send this other thing. Lord, convince somebody. At the end of the day, he has ambassadors already. And it's you and me. And that's good news. It's good news because Jesus also said, don't be afraid of what to say in the moment, because I will tell you. Now, if that sounds so big in your life that you're like, thanks for telling me that. Now I'm just under pressure. Elijah, I don't think he could have received that where he was. He was asking God to kill him. 
If you're in that place, I want to encourage you. Reach out to the body. Reach out to me. Reach out to David. Reach out to each other and say, I need Jesus. And the Lord will meet you. But if you're not in that place, and maybe the culture has convinced us that the best we can do is get a good 401k and retire and watch Netflix. I'm telling you from the word of God, get up. Get up. Don't let this be the end. Speak the word of God. Let the gospel come out of you. Look to him to verify all that he is doing, and it might not be in the way you expect. And you might not have all the answers, but I'm telling you, if God sent you, he will make it happen because he's good, and he's bigger than all of us, isn't he? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're good. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have filled us, that we would know you, Lord, and walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would open the heart of every person here, that in the mighty name of Jesus, they will see you with the same kind of revelation that John the Baptist saw you. Lord, open our eyes that we would see Jesus. Lord, flood our hearts with zeal and passion for your word, for your name, for your kingdom, for your gospel. Father, help us to walk in the power of all that you've called us to do because you have not left us unequipped, but you yourself, you are with us, God. And if you lead us, if you establish our foot, if you plant us, then God, what is it that we can't do? Because you're the one who goes before us. Father, use us. Lord, we don't want to sit under a broom tree. Lord, we don't want to just cry out and do nothing. We don't want to go to sleep. Lord, we're not just hanging on to see angels. We want to see you. We want to honor you. We want to glorify you. We want to be filled with your power to do all that you have called us to do for your glory and not our own. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. May you know today the calling of the Father. May you know the rule and the perfect sovereign grace of the Son. And may you know the experience and the power of the Holy Spirit who is with you and leading you as you go from this place. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you all for coming.